Hello, I'm Gunnar Peterson. I work at Forder, which is a trust platform for digital commerce. I thought it would be a good idea to get some other voices in the security space together for a chat once in a while, and I called this podcast Security Insights. It's always nice to share and hear what problems others are tackling and creative ways they're going after it. Uh, in this sense, I got super lucky with my first chat here today with Windows Snyder, who you'll hear about in a moment. If you like the discussion, uh, please let us know by adding a comment or sharing with your friends. Without further ado. Hello, welcome to Security Insights podcast with security leaders and innovators. Today, our I'm very excited that our guest is Window Snyder. She is CEO and founder of Thistle Technologies. Welcome, Window. Thank you very much. Window is is a real innovator uh, for me personally, an inspiration as both a technologist and then making the leap from a technologist to uh, security leadership positions, including CISO positions uh, from a deep technical background. And now she's made yet another leap to uh, founding her own company. Uh, so I think her career is a, is a real inspiration for a lot of people who came up on t technical career paths into leadership and even into launching her own company, Thistle Technologies. Very excited for uh, our conversation today on Internet of Things and device security. But before we dive into all of that, uh, Window, tell us about uh, Thistle. What led you to found this company and kind of what, what gave you the impetus to get going on this in a nutshell? Honestly, I feel like I've been working on this problem or something very similar almost my entire career. So uh, early on, I was a software engineer working on um, developing uh, either security sensitive software or software with uh, security considerations. Um, and you know, went to Microsoft and as they were going through this, this, uh, this, this point where they uh, were dealing with so much malware and what we were working on there was um, creating architecture level changes that would mitigate broad categories of vulnerability. Um, so uh, a lot of the work that we, we we built at Microsoft was already present, let's say, in operating systems like like Linux and OpenBSD. Um, went to Firefox, which is another platform, built these these architecture level uh, mitigations in, in in Firefox. Same thing with iOS and OS X. Um, and honestly, these 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 general purpose operating systems had all kinds of security work and security resilience that in my roles at Intel. And um, to a certain degree at Apple, looking at the, like, the, the lower level technologies for um, the devices they build um, and into Square where we build a point of sale system, which is kind of interesting because you know, Square builds the entire stack, uh, including their own ASICs, right? So um, I was starting to see in the device space that the security work we had done in the general purpose OS space just, just hadn't made it into devices, not to the degree that you would have expected. And so for a lot of these systems, they were missing things like modern memory uh, corruption mitigation um, or separation of privilege um, or even separation between code and data. So it was just decades, decades behind um, the, the rest of the security space in terms of in terms of platform security resilience. And so I felt like, do we really have 20 years for device manufacturers to catch up to where the general purpose operating systems are? Because these, these, these devices are, um, they're, 
they have the same, uh, without, the, without the security resilience of general purpose operating systems, they're being deployed in places where they're attached to critical infrastructure and they're dealing with all the same threats without any of the, the, the security work that we've done for 20 years. So um, I started thinking about how could, how could I bring the kind of work that I'd seen and, and worked on in all these different places to device manufacturers, to device developers in general. And so that's what we're building at Thistle Technologies. We're building a set of libraries, uh, tools, and backend services that device manufacturers can use to incorporate into their own devices and build a modern security architecture quickly without having to implement all these different steps themselves. So everything, I was seeing that like people were reinventing the wheel in every different development environment where you've got, um, let's say, uh, everyone building an update mechanism, everyone building remote access, everyone building uh, secrets management, everyone building uh, key distribution, and you know probably not to the degree of resilience that you would hope to see. Uh, so it was um, it was it was very clear to me that this is a lot of like security plumbing that we don't have to re rebuild in every different development environment. We could all leverage uh, an existing uh, implementation that was built by folks who understand how to build to resilience as a goal, and then um, leverage that and have those security engineering organizations in all these different places, focus higher up on the stack, focus on those security aspects that are very specific to their product instead of the kind of security work that's um, able to be generalized across lots of different kinds of devices. And so, and so those are, so some of those things are things that are by the time you had been working at places like Microsoft, places like Apple and Mozilla, that that became almost like second nature to take security seriously at those places, and I think you were you were really a part of that transition at a lot of those places um, to to go from places where security was maybe farther down the list to to a uh, really top top of mind in those places. What kind what led you to you know wake up one morning and say I'm going to take that same mindset um, that I've seen in these other places. And, and bring it into IO, Internet of Things and device security. What what really you know gave you the impetus to wake up and go after that uh, and build build a company around it? What what attracted you in the in the Internet of Things and device space from just the business problem? I guess as, as far as the business problem goes, I thought it was uh, just so widespread that devices just universally just don't have the degree of security resilience to. Uh, to, to meet the security threats that we're up against, not never mind the fact that the, the the threats are continuously changing and that these devices have a much longer lifespan, right? Like an MRI is deployed for yeah. potentially 20 years, or a car is, you know, you drive the car for five years and then the next person drives it for five or 10 years. And that I'm driving, life. I'm driving my car for 20 years. I, you know, I've got kids in school that I, it's going to be, I'm going to keep that car for a long time. So those those devices need to keep firing. But even if it goes through multiple people, right? Like we should still have some degree of confidence in human safety that is, you know, being protected by the computer in that car. And um, if these devices have a really long lifespan, then they also need to be able to be, um, uh, the security needs to be managed intelligently and in a way that's going to be sustainable through, through the lifespan of the, of the device. And that's true for like, uh, the controllers that are are, are, are uh, managing power and water or telecom, mm. um, all these devices have a really long lifespan. And if we're already starting off decades behind it from a security perspective in terms of the kinds of security mechanisms you find in these devices, then we just have a huge amount of work to do. And so from a business perspective, like that here's a massive opportunity, a massive um, gap in, in terms of what's available in the industry. And the, the alternative is build it yourself, or there might be a really 
like platform specific solution. But if you're building on a platform that you've already made a massive investment in, it's really hard to take that device and bring it to a modern security architecture without having to do everything yourself. So um, as far as problems go, I thought this is probably the most impactful thing that I could go spend my time on. Um, and then, you know, the, the opportunity to build something that uh, could solve lots of different kinds of kinds of problems in lots of different kinds of industries with um, work that I already know how to do and that I've done in lots of other different, you know, prior prior roles. It just made a lot of sense given given my skill set and the things that I'm excited about and the problems that I see out in the world. Yeah, that that's an amazing story because I think that so much of the security work that you see in defend uh, recognizing and defending against threats and, and you wrote a whole book on threat modeling. Um, which uh, which I think was the first time I came across your work. Um, you know, back then it was about protecting Excel files and you know making sure people's transact financial transactions were protected, which is still an important thing today. But to think that cars and water systems and you know power systems, robots are not uh, are not getting the same protection that maybe Excel files got uh, ten years ago is is certainly worrisome given our increased dependence. Um, if if we flip it around to, you know, the the people who are on the on the buying side of of trying to buy devices and get them to work in the field, and if you're if you're a CISO or a security leader of of one of those organizations, you hit on it a little bit. Like they they have a choice of they're not getting much from the device vendor, perhaps, and yet. There might not be software develop software security engineering skills in house. So how could they even assemble uh, a robust system themselves? Like, what are their choices if you're a CISO or a security leader at one of these shops to try to get higher assurance or integrity on these devices today? Actually, CISOs have a lot of power in that relationship. So if the device manufacturer is not meeting their security requirements, they do have a lot of power to push back on that. Um, maybe at a at bigger companies, you have a little bit more power, of course. But uh, even just asking those questions puts puts the idea in their mind that they're not meeting a customer need. There's a gap here. The market is asking them for this. Like when, when customers say, like, um, you know, tell me how you've implemented key management on this on this device. Um, are you leveraging a security a secure element or a secure enclave or, you know, like tell me about your secrets management or they they have to go back to the engineering team, ask how this is implemented, write up a white paper on their security story, and a lot of these vendors, um, you know, the, if you if you look at the the security claims they make, they're they're very lightweight. Like we use military grade encryption for whatever that which, tells which military <laughs> yeah, like that, that tells me nothing useful. But um, let's say uh, you, you leverage let's say your, your entire communication stack is implemented in a memory safe language. That actually tells you something. You can say something like our entire network facing attack surface is, is uh, we've, we've mitigated uh, memory corruption issues uh, for our entire our entire network facing attack surface. As a, as a CISO, that's actually saying something that like is tangible. I'm like, okay, that's actually a dramatically reduced risk for that device. Um, so I, I'd say- And, and testable uh, perhaps too, yes, right? Yeah. Exactly. Yeah, yeah, so I'd say as a CISO, um, asking those hard questions, uh, listening to the the response that you get, and then deciding you know with your dollars whether this is a uh, a risk that you want to invite into your 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 organization because it's not just about your printer or your security cameras or your physical access systems or the conference scheduling um, uh, tablet that you're using uh, to control free busy on your conference rooms or the uh, whatever it is you're using to 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 manage the um, 
video conferencing system in the in the in the conference. It's like it's like an infinite set of devices that you're incorporating into the, into the system. It's HVAC. It's um, it's 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 kind of endless, right? So from a management perspective, you get to this 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 place where your risk is expanding, the complete the complexity is growing, uh, you know, exponentially. And it's not just the devices that you incorporate; it's all the technologies they've incorporated into the devices that you then need to manage. So if there's a vulnerability present in, let's say, a widely used technology that gets incorporated into a bunch of things, you don't know which of your devices have that incorporated. And to the IT department, those are black boxes. Um, not actually black boxes to the attackers, but they, they're, it's, it's very hard to figure out like this for this device that you have deployed in your environment, whether or not they're doing something reasonable when it comes to, let's say, the number of vulnerabilities that are present in the number of uh, technologies they may have incorporated, just like these are just you know, publicly identified vulnerabilities. And then whether or not they're, they're managing, updating those libraries on a schedule that keeps up with the, the, the number of vulnerabilities that we're just constantly identifying out, out in, in, in these technologies. It's just, it's, um, it's incredibly difficult. So I think the best, best place to apply pressure is in the sales process where you're considering these devices. Like, do they, do they meet your security requirements? Do they have, have they even got a reasonable response to the security questions that you want to ask? And um, as a, as a vendor, you know, I, I, I felt pain when you have to answer a 200 word security questionnaire, um, but honestly, like, you know, they, the, the vendor puts a huge amount of work into trying to respond to those things well. And you can very clearly tell whether or not they've got a security program in place that is actually, uh, let's say, even close to your security, your security requirements or whether they've got, let's say, a marketing level security response. Yeah. And the, I mean, that's when you really have leverage to, to, to make real change. If, if you are, so sticking with the, the, you know, the sort of the buyer side, the CISO security leader trying to, you know, sort of buy and build their way to a more secure environment. If, if you think about, you know, internet stacks, people have general ideas of what makes a strong set of access control protocols and things like that. How, how do you see access control protocol standards? Is, is that something we should be looking for if we're, if we're buying, you know, device security systems um, in the same way that we do on the internet? And kind of where does access control protocol standards, you know, stop helping you? And where does monitoring and device monitoring, account monitoring in, uh, of, of devices in, in those kinds of systems start? So access, access control matters. Um, and it's not from a for, from a couple of different directions. One is, you know, the access that your administration uh, team needs in order to um, configure it, et cetera. But there's also a question of whether or not the device manufacturer is doing remote access onto mm. the devices, whether or not they've got that, what is that, is that the, the model? And if if they do, uh, you know, what kind of access is it? Is it is it shell access? Uh, is it true? Is it basically, are you basically creating tiny little computers that are giving access to a third party um, to, 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 you know, launch pads in your in your environment, that's something to consider. Um, we then, thought this was a Coke machine, uh, not a uh, not a backdoor into the entire network, right? Kind of thing. Right. Um, yeah, but uh, so that's one aspect of it. But um, there's also this question of whether or not you are um, whether it's 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 like one size fit all, right? Like like do you even have let's say robot based access? Can you can you re revoke access or is it a single key that's mm -hmm. available to 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 everybody, whether it's on your team or is it a single key that's available to every technician in their environment? Um, so I, I'd say that's that's a consideration. It's worth it's worth asking. Um, but uh, but even if, if if access control is let's say implemented well, 
once the device has been compromised, if it's compromised, getting back to a known good state is, is a critical piece here because you don't necessarily have the tools to evaluate whether or not this device is, is now clear, right? If it's been compromised, you may or may not have an image of what the, the firmware, for example, looked like to be able to compare it to. Do you have like um, a checksum for the the uncompromised version? Like last known good and yeah. Yeah, or like I've, I've, I've installed an update and um, so that, that, that has been refreshed, but like, did it actually touch all of the writable components of the system? Is it possible that the, the attacker had some code um, that was resonant in some other location, right? Like it's very hard to evaluate whether those devices are, 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 are ever able to get back to a known good state because they're opaque again to the, 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 the IT department here. So I, uh, I'm very concerned about being able to say with confidence that after a compromise that you first of all, understand the full extent of, of access and that in order to uh, get back to work and, and say that these devices are, are, are refreshed, that, the, um, that you also have to understand what it means to install an update and, and what is being touched and whether that's sufficient for your, for your security requirements in your environment. And, and can report health status on an ongoing basis, I assume would be part of that too, right? Yeah. So, so uh, zooming out a bit, um, I mean, it seems like a, it seems like a pretty pervasive problem to me um, where attackers can use devices both as, as targets and as launch pads. Um, and I, I, I've been doing this a while and I, I always wonder when there's a problem that's been out there for a long time, um, let's say, you know, out of, the, out of the device space, but like BGP security, it's been a problem for a long time. Why, it's interesting to solve, study the problem and then also study solutions that have been tried like, and, and and also ask, you know, why have why have more companies not invested in this space? Um, so, what are your thoughts on the investment in this space? You know, in terms of is it a complex space where there aren't easy solutions for people to get to, or there was there a gap in the market of just vendors not providing the solution, uh, finding the right place? In terms of is it is it the you know the buyer, uh, the person assembling the robots? or the power control systems, or is it the device manufacturer? Um, or do you think that that companies and the, you know, the public generally just doesn't recognize the threats? You know, is it is it a lack of recognition of the threats, a lack of recognition of available countermeasures? What do you think um, has been the, the problem historically about, you know, maybe an underinvestment in securing the space and like what will change that going forward? And, and make Thistle Technologies, you know, ringing the bell on the New York Stock Exchange someday um, down the road? I think there've been a number of factors. And I think one of them is that it's hard, right? It's hard to do this work. And um, it's, uh, there's always a, a balance, right? Between let's say, this is a, an investment we're gonna make in the, the, the low level security mechanisms versus this is a feature that is um, customer facing. And um, if you're not feeling security pain immediately, for a lot of these folks, then it's difficult to justify making the security uh, investments in, in, in foundational technologies versus, um, you know, working on on, on a, on a customer-facing function. So uh, when they do decide to make that, it's because maybe they saw that there's um, increasing uh, attention to these devices by attackers, that they're increasingly being um, attacked, and that um, they may see, maybe see something in their space. Like automotive security changed when security researchers started demonstrating that they were hugely vulnerable. 
when, when Jeep started going into the ditch, right? Like that's when that's when it changed, right? Right. You see, like, wow, this is a huge problem, and 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 folks who with, with their dollars are just like, ah, oh. <laughs> what do you mean an attacker can like you know turn out turn off my my brakes in the middle of of the freeway, right? Like that's that's scary for folks, and it's also sensational. Um, but folks start to recognize that there's that there's a real problem here. So part of it is is, is awareness, right? For, for a long time, they were kind of perceived to be black boxes, and I think a lot of uh, device manufacturers thought that that meant that because there were um, uh, a little bit harder to investigate that that was that was somehow an aspect of security, but of course, debugger uh, attackers have debuggers and attackers have JSON devices, and um, you know they're not they're not nearly as opaque as 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 they believed, and that you know it's it's um, it's it's a really insufficient security mechanism to to to, to hope obscurity is gonna gonna somehow protect you. But um, so, so that's part of it. And the other thing is that I think um, security researchers and attackers both have been turning their attention to devices because we've built a significant degree of resilience into our general purpose operating systems, into um, even mobile device, mobile you know, phones, um, for example. And so, uh, if you if you if you if you want to uh, create an entire let's say exploit chain for for one of those devices, this is a huge amount of work compared to let's say um, a device that doesn't have memory corruption mitigation, and it doesn't have um, even separation of, of privilege or separation between code and data. It's like 1995 in there, right? It's so uh, it's so much easier once you have, once you're tooled up, it's a lot easier to, to, to compromise those kinds of devices. So uh, attention has been shifting um, both amongst security researchers and, and attackers to these devices because you know, um, let's say it's 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 a printer. It's on your corporate network. It's it's a it's a data store for everything. All your most important documents go to the to the printer to be printed out. You know, like that's, um, and then it's probably sitting there stored for a while as well. Um, so, and it's 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 undermanaged, right? The um, the presence of the attacker is not going to be noticed. Whether that's because there's nothing on the device that is. Um, identifying that something changed or that um, it's making connections to um, additional devices on the network that it shouldn't. Uh, there's very little inspection ha happening there. So I'd say it's both a combination of but what's changing right now is that um, there's a lot of demonstration of device attacks, whether it's you know security researchers or it's 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 compromised by by criminals. People are seeing it more so now they're re realizing that this is something that they have to think about. Um, but additionally there's also uh, this 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 this, the cost of investment. So that's actually one of the reasons that we're trying to make it easy, right? We want to make it um, easy to be able to incorporate sophisticated security mitigations into your product without having to do a whole forklift upgrade to move to a whole other platform um, in order to get those modern security features. Um, so by making it easy, we hope that it's 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 changing the balance between like, well, this is hard and expensive, and uh, I want to focus my resources on customer-facing functionality versus oh, I'm feeling pain now, um, and uh, we, we, we need to, to do something. If, if I can make it easy to get there, then I'm hoping more folks will be able to adopt that those modern security um, capabilities. Yeah, I think, I mean, I, that's a, just a terrifying statement. And, but I, I think, unfortunately, very true to think that, you know, you could, people are driving down the road in a, in a car at 70 miles an hour, effectively running Windows 95 once people uh, get past a couple of very basic protections. Um, and that, that, that um, you know the, the mismatch of the leverage that we have, uh, like physical leverage, you know, electrical, water, uh, automotive leverage, robot, robotic leverage to some of these devices that are running um, very, very basic operating systems that that don't have the kind of protections we might have seen 50, fifteen or twenty years ago in in uh, modern operating systems. Um, that that mismatch 
seems like a gap that's incredibly important to go after. So I, I'm excited to see where Thistle Technologies and, and your team can can close those gaps, um, both as someone who drives a car and uh, and and, de and deeply fears robots. Uh, no, sorry. I mean, I, I welcome our future robot overlords. Apologize. Um, so, Window, looking down the road a bit, you talked about uh, the importance of device updates, which you know that almost tells you the state of play. If if that's the starting point of like, let's have secure operating systems uh, that can update themselves. That that tells tells me as a security engineer quite a lot about the state of play. If and I, I know that getting those foundations in is 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 absolutely critical to do anything else useful, but. Um, you know, looking out a little bit over the landscape over the next couple of years, where what other use cases do you do you foresee people investing in the in the device security space? Is is it you know more protocols around secrets management? Is it is it anonymous analytics that are you know privacy preserving somehow? Or what are the other kind of pointy tip of the spear security capabilities that you see coming down the line over the next couple of years? Sure, I, I will say that. Um... Update as a starting point is um, it's kind of a it's an interesting one because in addition to, to to needing update, you actually in a lot of devices actually do have an update mechanism. But the question is whether or not the the device manufacturer is actually willing to put an update out there. Because mm -hmm. if you don't have uh, confidence in the reliability of the update mechanism, then you're unlikely to want to ship an update. Because like let's say you're updating one browser and there's a failure, maybe you've got a two percent failure rate or four percent failure rate. The user can, for the most part um, figure out how to get started again, right? Like, oh, like maybe they'll try the, the installer again, or maybe they'll restart their machine and get it going again. And most, for the most part, it works out and they can, they can get back to where they're going. But when update fails for a device, like if it's a car, that might require coming back to the dealership. If it's a phone, it might have to come back to the, the, the mobile phone store. If it's a refrigerator, you might have to send a technician out there. If it's like a massive TV on your wall, you're not going to bring that into to, to Best Buy, right? You're going to have to find someone to come in and, 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 and take care of that. Um, if it's on the manufacturing floor, right? Like a technician has to go out to each one of these these uh, these devices and 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 address the the, the failed update. So the a reliable update mechanism is uh, is what's required here. And a lot of update mechanisms are not reliable because a one or two or four percent failure rate is completely intolerable in the hardware space, right? If it's a satellite and you do an update and you've got a, a failure rate like that, like that that satellite is just gone forever, right? It's completely intolerable to have the kinds of failure rates we see in software if we're talking about hardware problems. So I would say the, the that first thing is, is a reliable update mechanism. And then next is the ability to get to back to a known good state. So if there's a problem of any sort, whether it's a failed update, um, or it's a compromise, getting back to a known good state where you've, where you can with confidence say that you completely refresh the machine, that's really critical because you want to be able to um, get back to work quickly and you know, whatever the device does, you want it to be functional again quickly. Because for a lot of these devices, a compromise might not be the worst possible case. Right. Uh, Denial of service might be the worst possible case. The, 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 the downtime, the, the reliability issue or availability issue might be um, a more painful uh, compromise than the, uh, the possibility of an attack and, and someone having access to the resources of the data that it has access to otherwise. So I'd say that's uh, getting back to a known good state. That's another critical component. Um, beyond that, I'd say secrets management. And, and, and so, so secrets management on the device, key distribution on the back end, that's another critical piece here that you, know, you want to be able to do things like Let's say identify the device with confidence on, on your on your infrastructure, right? Um, you want to be able to provision it for, for certain functionality or, or, or certain capabilities. Being able to say with confidence that this device is that device and it's um, running a version of the 
software that we um, have recognized as coming from the developer, that it's still the state we expect it to be in, and okay, now you can have access to these resources. That is um, another critical aspect here. But basically, all the things that we've been doing on our workstations in, 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 in corporations, all the things we've been doing for identity management, all things we've been doing for access control, uh, for, for data integrity and security, all those things also need to happen for devices because they have all the same uh, kinds of security problems. Um, even if it's like narrowed down to a single slice of functionality, it's still all the same kinds of security problems. So we're going to have to build that whole security capability again for these devices. And as a starting point, starting with the, the device update, I think from Thistle standpoint, it gives you the ability to really have a platform, I'm assuming, to go after all kinds of other use cases as, as the, uh, the both the recognition of the threats evolve and also require more in, uh, sophisticated countermeasures down the road, right? Exactly. That's why we started with update because it's a like, great place to get like a foundation of, um, of security to build on. And then if you have a highly reliable update mechanism, then you can start to improve the other uh, security um, aspects of, of the product. So that might be getting back to a known good state. It might be remote access, or it might be a modern memory allocator with memory corruption mitigation, or it might be a communication stack that's implemented in a memory safe language, right? But uh, very few environments can do all this stuff at once. So update is the place to start. And then being willing to deploy updates and continuously improve security requires an update mechanism that's reliable enough that you know that device is coming back up after you update it. So yeah, it's all, it's uh, one thing follows the next. Window, I, I really, really enjoyed uh, hearing about what you're doing at Thistle Technologies today. And particularly, I, I knew there was a gnarly problem um, and I knew that, that there were creative solutions required. What I also really enjoyed from today is I've seen a lot of security designs over the years that assume that every single problem can be solved in, in version one. I, I really liked hearing about how you found the skinny end of the wedge to go after some uh, high value, but also achievable use cases that are easy for customers presumably to understand and set you up to set Thistle up to solve some of the more uh, emerging threats down the road too. So fascinating, uh, fascinating launch plan and, and engineering approach. Um, all the best to you on this on this journey of your new company, and thank you so much for your time today. Thank you for having me.